being able to run gave me the freedom to show me that postpartum depression didn't own me, that I was stronger than depression. I was stronger than deployments and I did it. That was Amy. She's the mother of three little ones with one on the way and motherhood has taken her on quite an adventure. From isolation to anxiety, it's a journey that led her to finding a new passion. I'm Heather Kuntz, and this is Motherhood Material. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know this episode will briefly mention miscarriage. Amy's story is about so much more than that, but if you're sensitive to that topic, please be advised. Amy is a military wife. She met her husband in a very meet-cute way back in college. It was the first meeting of, of the year, and it was for all the different schools in our area. And we were just one small, tiny, tiny private school. And so they would always, you know, yell out, okay, cheer for your campus. And so when we got to my campus, you know, it was just me and my group of girlfriends who were cheering. And then across the room, there was this big, handsome dude who just stood up and yelled as loud as he could for our tiny college. And we all looked at each other we're like, who the heck is that guy? We're like, I don't know, but let's go meet him. So Amy and her friend went to meet this brave young man. She thought he was cute and he was clearly interested in her, but there was one problem. It was very scandalous because I was a senior and he was a freshman. But their paths kept crossing and eventually it just worked out. By the end of my senior year, when I was graduating, we were, we were together and we knew that it was for the long haul. From the beginning, Amy knew she wanted to be a mom. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I always wanted kids. A lot of the jobs I've gravitated towards in my entire life have been nannying and babysitting. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life or where I wanted to go, but I, but I knew motherhood was definitely something I wanted. I was ready to become a mom long before my husband was. But eventually the timing was right. And Amy and her husband decided to add to their family. During her pregnancy, Amy's husband was on deployment. For them, it meant he was gone four weeks, then home two weeks over and over. And that was hard. It was, it was really hard. And we were in a new place. We didn't really know anybody. I certainly didn't know any other moms. Um, I was working in a gym and was working really long, hard hours. My son was born and my husband left on deployment 10 days later. And his mother was around, but she left a couple days later. So there I was, brand new mom with a two-week-old baby, no family around, no one else in the house with me. And I don't have a single mom friend. Um, and it was really hard. It was really, really hard. Being a first-time mom is hard enough. Being a first-time mom with no family or friends around and a husband on deployment, that's almost unimaginable. And on top of that, Amy began struggling with anxiety. And I was so nervous about my baby getting sick that I literally didn't leave the house because I, I was too afraid to go to the grocery store. I was like, you know, granted, it was winter time. It's like, what? What if somebody's sick? I don't think I can handle a sick baby on my own. Or what if I get sick? How the heck am I going to care for a baby while I'm sick? Um, and that was, that was a big part of it, too. There wasn't anyone around to help Amy see that her degree of anxiety wasn't normal. She didn't know anybody, and the people she did begin to meet only knew her during that time. So they had no baseline to know she wasn't acting like herself. 
and Amy didn't realize her feelings could be postpartum depression. I didn't know to notice because everything was different. Um, but I, I mean, it was, it's a huge adjustment and it's a huge adjustment to do it on your own. Um, and I, I, I was sad and, but most of it, most of my depression symptoms come out as anger or anxiety, which is also really overlooked. I mean, if you're sad all the time, people will say, oh, maybe we should talk about that you know, but a lot of people don't recognize that postpartum depression is also being extremely anxious. It's true. We've talked about postpartum depression before, and it's something I'm very passionate about because I too experienced it. But it's not always feelings of sadness. It can be anxiety or anger, and it can show up in ways no one prepares you for. And I knew I wasn't myself, but I didn't know to know. And it wasn't until Um, I met more mom friends that I was able to realize I was like, that wasn't, that wasn't normal. That's not what everyone experiences when they become a mom. That was something different. It wasn't just baby blues. It was something that lasted and lasted, but I had no idea what to look for. You know, like, of course you read the pamphlets and I went through the childbirth class and, and that was one thing I wished, you know, the childbirth class. And I went through a really in-depth one for 10 weeks where it told you about all sorts of, um, natural birth and, um, you know, all the things to expect, but they did not cover anything postpartum. And I am so grateful I had a doula because there were so many questions I had. Um, you know, like the first time I went to the bathroom after having a baby <laughs> and I texted her in the bathroom, I was like, is this normal? <laughs> Because I had no idea. Nobody prepared me for any of that. So, you know, you read a pamphlet about postpartum depression, but unless you have somebody looking in from the outside to say, this isn't right, something is going on, it's nearly impossible to recognize for yourself. Thankfully, Amy made it through. But during her second pregnancy, the feelings returned. It's not talked about as much, but prenatal anxiety is a thing too. And Amy experienced it with all of her pregnancies, especially her second. My pregnancy was a lot harder, um, probably because I was raising a toddler and my husband was gone um, and I was pregnant um, and I had, you know, no, no family close by. But, but the way he was born was extremely crazy and um, I ended up having spontaneous rupture of membranes at 34 weeks on the dot. I, um, I was at church when my water broke, my husband was gone. Nobody was around. Um, I, I, I felt like something wasn't right, obviously, but it, it wasn't like a big gush or anything. It was just like a, this, I feel like I need to go to the hospital and get this checked out but I didn't have anything to do with my toddler. I was like, what am I going to do with him? I ended up leaving him at church, fully expecting that I would come back after the second service to pick him up, that they would say, oh no, honey, you're fine. Just go home. But Amy was admitted to the hospital where she was placed on bed rest and given lots of medication. Two weeks later, at 36 weeks, her baby was born. But it was a miracle. He didn't have to go to the NICU. He just had some trouble regulating his blood sugar. So It was like the NICU's version of the ER, but he wasn't fully admitted. So he still was over there for a while. 
Um, but it, it was just a, a whirlwind and I couldn't process it properly. Soon after her son came home, Amy found herself alone again. Everyone had left and I had just given birth and here I was completely alone. And that was a lot to process. And um, the fact that I could take my baby home two days later, like normal, was a lot to process. But he was so little and still had struggles breastfeeding and growing. And that was a lot to process. And just like with my first, my husband left at that 10-day mark. I had a 10-day-old baby and a toddler. And then my husband was gone. And because the baby was healthy and Amy had recovered, nobody seemed to understand her emotions. I tried to talk to people about it, but nobody, nobody understood. And people just brushed it off and told me, well, he's fine, Amy. Don't you see? Like, he's fine. He's healthy. He's happy. You're healthy. Your body healed because everyone was physically fine. You know, they just assumed I was emotionally okay, which was definitely not the case. Amy tried to get help, including reaching out to others and even trying to see a therapist, but it wasn't working. I felt like nobody would listen, that I was standing in the middle of a room screaming, but yet nobody could hear me. I was so desperate. <laughs> I was not myself. I was angry. I was a rage monster. Um, and, and I was having these crazy thoughts about my kids dying more out of my anxiety of like, what if this happens and they die? What if this happens and I die? Um, and and it was so controlling and so overwhelming that I couldn't do anything. And on those moments when I had to leave my house, I had, I had to stifle panic attacks. I mean, I don't, looking back at it now, like three years later, I have no, I really don't even know how I survived by myself. Eventually, Amy asked her doctor for help. So she gave me this cocktail of things because one thing would make something else worse. Then she had to give me something else to make that better, which makes something else worse. Um, however, the caveat was that I wasn't allowed to start taking that medication until somebody was around me for three days to monitor my behavior, which makes total sense. I get it because when you're dealing with those like psychoactive type drugs, you need to make sure that there's no adverse reaction, right? So for the safety of myself and my children, I couldn't take them. <laughs> so they were sitting on my shelf for a month before I could even open them um, because nobody was around. It was just me. I didn't, I didn't have anybody. Um, and, and that was, that was definitely <laughs> rock bottom for me. At that point, Amy decided that if she couldn't take the medicine, she had to do something. That's when her friend made a comment that would change Amy's life. I was challenged a very long time ago to run a half marathon by a sweet friend who was well-meaning. And she said, you know what, Amy, you should run a half marathon. <laughs> I laughed in her face. I said, okay, sure. I'll run a half marathon someday just for you, Allie. <laughs> but that, that just kind of stuck with me and stuck with me. And so... I I decided after my second son was born that I was going to run a half marathon. And it was the craziest thought I've ever thought in my life because I was not a runner. I hadn't even ever run a mile ever in the entirety of my life. Um, and I just decided to start running. But at eight months postpartum and brand new to running, Amy did finish that marathon. 
that whole year was the hardest, the combination of the hardest things I've ever had to do, give birth and deployment and postpartum depression and then running. But I found that the more I ran, the more confidence it gave me. Being able to run gave me the freedom to show me that postpartum depression didn't own me. You know, that I was bigger than depression, that I was stronger than depression. I was stronger than the circumstances that were set before me. Um, I was stronger than deployments and I did it. I ran a half marathon. I finished and I finished well. Amy caught the running bug. She's completed several marathons since, including one nine months after giving birth to her third child. And she'll continue running, but not for a while, because Amy is pregnant with her fourth child. It's not a path she thought she'd take, and it certainly didn't come easily. My husband was like, no, we're done. No more babies. No more. But, you know, that's when life always throws you the best surprises. I took a test and I was like, I am. I am pregnant. What the bleepity bleep just happened? (laughs) But Amy's emotions soon changed. It was a beautiful moment of how my heart instantly changed. I was like, yeah, I don't want any more kids. But the second I knew I was pregnant and it became real, it, it my heart literally changed. And I was like, I would do anything. I would bend over backwards. There is a life growing inside me and I will do whatever it takes to protect that baby. At first, Amy didn't tell her husband. She wasn't sure how he'd react. So she waited a few days. Her idea was to collect a bunch of tests so she could show him how the line was getting darker and darker, and they were definitely having a baby. But, unfortunately, the lines didn't get darker. They got lighter, until they disappeared altogether. It was a miscarriage, and it affected Amy in a way she hadn't expected. I took, like, a couple days to realize, like, is this, is this really happening? Was I really pregnant? Did I imagine it? It was a baby. It was a it, it was a baby that I will never meet. It was um, a smile I will never see, a laugh I will never hear. And it it struck me in a way that I never, I never expected. Miscarriage is hard. And I say that with a bit of guilt because I'm only an observer. I haven't experienced it myself, but I have cried with friends as they've grieved. And that guilt at not sharing their journey is something Amy experienced as well. And I felt guilty too, because I have so many friends who are desperately trying to get pregnant, people who genuinely want and crave a baby and don't. And it's like, well, who, who am I to stand amongst your ranks? I got pregnant when I didn't want to, and then I lost the baby. And now that was a lot for me to process too. And then it happened the next month. The very next month, Amy went through the whole nightmare again. First, a positive test, then... Over the course of like five days, it just got lighter and lighter and lighter until the test was completely negative. It was at that point that my heart really changed. Amy wanted another baby. And when another test came back positive the next month, the third month in a row, Amy held her breath. I tell you, like I should have bought stock in first response because I literally took a pregnancy test every single morning and I lined them all up in a row. I was like, are they actually getting darker? They were. And today, Amy is pregnant with another baby boy. He's healthy and thriving. 
Her husband is still processing the pregnancy, but Amy knows this was meant to be. It was like my heart and my mind was being prepared for another baby. A few months before I got pregnant with this one, um, I would load all my kids into the car and be like, who are we missing? One, two, three. Who are we missing? No, wait, I only have three kids. Okay. You know, and I don't, I don't know if it was a premonition, you know, but, but I know in my heart um, that this baby was made for our family. This time around, Amy's husband isn't deployed. He'll be home for the birth, but they may end up moving right afterward. Except this time, she'll be potentially right next to family. A welcome change in a world where military moves often mean isolation. You have to build your own support system every time you move. You don't have the luxury of family in town or people that you've known for forever. Every time you move, you have to pick up, relearn a brand new city, rebuild your community. And for so many women, it is so hard. Of course, being a military family has perks too. There's a lot of sacrifice with the military lifestyle, but you get so much more in return. And I am so grateful for this life. I am so proud of my husband and I'm so proud of, um, of what he's done and the sacrifices that he's made, you know, not only to provide for our family, but also to provide for our country. There are so many experiences in so many places that I've been to, been able to experience that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Being a military spouse has also given Amy the opportunity to pursue one of her other passions as well. She's a member of the Blue Anchor Bells. We're just a group of Navy wives. We love to sing and we love to provide music therapy to veterans and their families who are in local assisted living centers and memory care facilities. And it started because my friend Rachel, um, she's a solo musician and she does a lot of music therapy and saw this huge need for people to go in to sing music from the 40s in three-part harmony like the Andrews sisters. Um, and so she just put an ad out to some of the local spouse pages and it was myself and another girl, Hillary, who answered and we just kind of started the Blue Anchor Bells. When Amy joined the Blue Anchor Bells, it couldn't have come at a better time. It, this was also during that time when I was walking through the darkest moments of postpartum depression after my second child was born. And and it was really freeing because I got to do something for myself. Such a rewarding experience when you meet someone with um, Alzheimer's or dementia who they have no idea what their name is. They don't know what the day is. They don't know what they had for breakfast. But they still remember all the lyrics to all the songs from their childhood. Um, you know, that they still remember that when you're singing these songs from their golden years, um, that they can remember that that was the song they danced to at their wedding. You know, that is, it's just so beautiful and so rewarding. Because they live in a very patriotic Navy town, the Blue Anchor Bells have had the opportunity to take part in special events, like singing the national anthem at baseball games or opening for country music stars. And because of those bigger opportunities, they've been able to invest even more in their original mission. It's also an avenue to help connect more moms, which is something Amy is passionate about. Today, because of things like the Blue Anchor Bells and running marathons, Amy's been able to find identity outside of motherhood, and she says that's important for all moms. 
don't put your identity in the things that you do. You know, don't let, um, you know, your kids' soccer game schedule or carpools or dirty diapers or being their snack person to always get them snacks, you know, whatever that looks like, don't let that define you because that's not who you are. It's what you do. Um, and as a mother, it's so easy to get lost in that and to get wrapped up in what other people expect you to do. Make sure you don't get lost, that you invest time in yourself and in your passions and incorporate your kids and your family in that. When I sing with the Blue Anchor Bells, like I love bringing my kids to the show. Or when I go running, you know, investing that in my health or taking them to the gym or, you know, doing workouts with them, you know, things that I'm doing for myself to invest in myself, um, but also letting them see that this is who I am. Yes, mommy would love to get you more veggie straws. Yes, mommy would love to wipe your butt again. You know, but this is what mommy does. This is who mommy is, you know, and, and letting them see that there's a big difference to set themselves up to understand that, that there's a big difference between what you do and who you are. I absolutely agree with that. And I think it's so important for all of us to remember. Thank you to Amy for sharing her inspiring story. Next week, we've got another great motherhood story to share with you. So please tune in. Thanks for listening. Motherhood Material is produced by me, Heather Kuntz. Music by Eric Medias. For more information or to be featured, please contact motherhoodmaterialpod at gmail.com.